Good evening and welcome to our evening service. Good to have you here with us tonight. Good that those who are joining us on Zoom, we welcome you as well. Uh, we welcome the Costas with us this evening. Uh, Emily and Abel are here with us and the boys uh, as well. We welcome you all. Uh, it's good to, uh, to meet new friends like this. Uh, Abel, uh, to me, is a, a friend, a good friend of uh, Joshua and Esther Stones, uh, who stay with them uh, when they come to Sudbury. So we welcome. Uh, when we met last time, Abel was saying that, you know, if you ever need someone uh, to, uh, to fill in, and I thought, I'll better check that in my book and remember that. But uh, we realized we were talking, and Abel is uh, from Romania, and uh, that's where he met uh, came to know the Lord with his family and so on. But I'm thinking uh, not quite the same, maybe, but I remember years ago when I first started working in Sudbury with the Board of Education, I worked with uh, some of the uh, the people in the, what we call the media center, and I would go there, and one man realized that uh, I was a Christian. And he poked the others, look, a French Christian. And not only that, he said, a French Baptist. <laughs> and I thought, it's good to know that hey, there's a, a Christian Romanian. <laughs> and we have this brother with us. Someday he'll have to tell us more about uh, his time in Romania and his family there. But We'll ask Abel now to come, if he would, to read the scripture this evening and lead us in a word of prayer as well. I would like you to open your Bibles, please, tonight to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to read the first uh, 17 verses. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear. Verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive and above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, 
and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, we're so blessed to know you. We're so thankful this evening to, to be here. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, and for his sacrifice on our behalf, that we may be called your children. We thank you for the cross that's provided us with redemption, with salvation, with forgiveness, with reconciliation. Oh, Father, we don't deserve any of that. But in your great love, you have decided to send your Son to go to the cross on our behalf. Because your word says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, Father, this evening, we pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that you would speak to us clearly your word, that you would encourage us in our walk with you, that wherever we are in our walk with you, may you please meet us there. Through your spirit, encourage us. Challenge us. Speak to our need. Speak to wherever we are. Father, we want to hear from your word. We want to hear from you. We're not here to just hear another message and go home and not do anything about it, but rather, Father, I pray for strength and for, for wisdom to put into practice your word. To go home changed and challenged to live our lives fully for you. Oh, Father, I commit all of us into your hands. Pray that you would lead us into your will. That you would light up a fire in our hearts. To not be lazy about the truth of the gospel, but rather live it out throughout our lives. That we may be living gospels for your name. Father, I pray for all of us tonight. Speak to us. Teach us and challenge us to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we welcome you, brother. And uh, I, I say Abel, the French way of saying it, but I think I think he says that's the Romanian way of saying it too. Abel, there, see? Right. So, brother, welcome. And the Lord bless as you open the word to us tonight. Thank you. Before I actually start the message tonight, I really enjoyed the song we just sang. And uh, I would like to reread to you real quick. Just the first verse here, it says, Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. To be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight we're going to be looking at this passage from Colossians, and I entitled the message of Steps Towards Becoming More Like Jesus, Jesus Christ. And, uh, sorry, I forgot to put my microphone on. Thank you very much. Uh, but I think, you know, when it comes to this, this song we just sang, my constant longing and prayer is to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about it, that just small verse, I don't want us to just think about it and forget about it. I want us to think about that concept of becoming more like the Lord Jesus, but not 
just once, but rather on a daily basis to seek Him, to become more like Him on a daily basis. So when we're going to go to this passage here in the book of Colossians, I've got a couple of notes. Before I jump in the passage, I'm going to give you just a, a brief overview of the book. It was written by Paul, the apostle, around 62 AD from Rome while he was in prison. It's very important to know that part. Just, just the overview of the book. And... Uh, he wrote the book of Ephesians and Philemon because all these three letters were sent with Tychicus and Onesimus. All the, all the three letters, you know, the book of, you know, the, the letter of Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon were sent by Paul while he was in prison. So now when you think about that small amount of information, when you think about Paul, while being in prison, he wasn't in a great place, let's put it that way. He was, he was in prison. He wasn't treated, you know, with, with respect and regard. And, you know, he wasn't in a good place mentally, so to say. You know, when you think about someone being in prison, even though he wasn't there for, uh, you know, deserving to be there. He was there because he was a prisoner for Christ. You know, he wasn't there because people actually drove him in jail, uh, despite the fact that, you know, he was a believer in the Lord Jesus. We can go on this path for, for quite a while, just discussing the idea of why Paul was in prison. But just to have the idea of what he wrote to us today putting on a new self, uh, becoming more like the Lord Jesus. The theme of the book of Colossians, I have a, a, just a quick blurb here. It's Christ is Lord over all creation, including the invisible realm. He has redeemed his people, enabling them to participate in his death, resurrection, and fullness. This is a general idea of the book of Colossians. However, we're going to talk about three specific points today. We're going to talk about Christ and the life above Away with the old character. And then finally, we're going to talk, uh, as the last point, putting on Christ's character. So there, there's a few things that we're going to go to this passage tonight. Verses 1 to 4, Christ and the life above. And I want to draw your attention there real quick here. Verse 1 starts with, If then you have been raised with Christ, referring to believers, not non-believers, Believers, Christians, born-again believers, people who have committed their entire life to the Lord Jesus, acknowledging their need for a Savior, need for forgiveness, need for redemption, talking to believers. Very, very important to know that part, because in verse 3 and 4, it's another description of the same idea. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, in verse 3 it says, for you have died Right? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Referring to believers again. It doesn't refer to non-believers. This is very important to know because in verse 1, he starts up here with the idea of seeking and setting. The reason I mention this, this part here of being raised with Christ, I think it's in order for us as believers to be able to grow spiritually, I think we have to understand our position in Christ. It's very important to know your position in Christ as a believer. You have been declared righteous before God because of Christ. Because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. That's who we are now. We are presenting before God the Father as righteous because of Christ. Not because of how good and how good looking we are or how rich we are or whatever you might think of. It's because of the Lord Jesus and because of the work on the cross. And that's a very key element of the Christian faith. If you have been raised with Christ... There's expectations upon your life. Period. You may not actually like to hear this, but see, when you come to the faith, you know, I, I, don't, like to, I don't like to preach a, a cheap gospel. I don't like to encourage you, come and join. It's all good. 
Don't do anything about it. Absolutely not. When you come to the cross, you acknowledge your need for a Savior, and there are steps that we ought to follow day in, day out. If you have been raised with Christ, it says, seek and set. Seeking has to do with the idea of pursuing the matters of God. So these are steps in growing in our, in our spiritual walk with the Lord. There's steps in seeking the Lord, seeking fellowship, seeking the Bible, seeking prayer time with the Lord. You can't just grow spiritually by just coming to church. That'll be great. But that doesn't happen. You know, if you get fed once a week on a Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and that's it, I don't think your spiritual life looks really good. It looks actually really, you know, terrible. Right? But you see, our spiritual walk is day in, day out on our knees before the Lord. That's how we grow spiritually. When we seek the Lord at home, wherever we are, we are in a constant fellowship with Him. But when Paul actually talks about here, it says, seeking the things that are above, pursuing them on a daily basis, aims, ambitions. How is our life uh, ruled by, you know, like... I come from Romania, you know, Rial was just mentioning here briefly about uh, who I am. I'm just going to brief, briefly give you like, just an overview. I was born and raised in Romania back in the 80s. not going to give you my age. I'm still fairly young. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to, to seminary back in Amsterdam. And that's where I met Emily. She was uh, working there as a, as a secretary. I was getting my master's uh, back in, in the school. And uh, after I graduated... Went upstairs in dating, and uh, we got married, lived in Amsterdam for two years, and then finally moved to Canada about nine years ago. It's a nutshell, you know a little bit more about my life than before. But there you go. Uh, that, that's, that's just a little bit of a life story for me, just, just to, know, you know, to know who I am. But the idea of pursuing, going back to the Bible here, seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated. See, it doesn't say, actually, Paul doesn't say here, seek the things that are above Period. He doesn't stop there. He actually appropriates the idea of above where Christ is seated with God. In verse 1, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And an idea of setting your mind. Now this actually is the idea of concentrating, focusing, thinking a little bit more than just seeking. You know, we all seek at some point in life. We seek things to do. We seek things to accomplish. But now he talks about the idea of setting yourself stable. Not wishy-washy like the, like the weather changes. You know, Paul actually expects this church to be strong. To be unmovable. Because they know their position is in Christ Jesus. That's why I love the way, the way this passage starts. If you then have been raised with Christ Jesus, seek and set. He kind of puts the foundation for how do you become like, you know, like, like the Lord Jesus. Understanding your position, setting your mind, seeking, focusing your attitude on the things that are above. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Well, we can talk about the idea of attitude from Christ Jesus' perspective for a long time. But you know it full well. He came to this world, born in a manger, to do what? To live a, a great life? No, he went to the cross for us. Because why? Because he loves us. Loves us more than you can ever imagine. 
More than you can ever believe or think. Christ loves you no matter how low you feel in your spiritual life. Christ still loves you. He still cares for you. He still wants what's best for you. Even when you don't want what's best for yourself, Christ still wants the best for you. And He loves you so much that He was willing to go to the cross. And when you think about the idea of going to the cross, I want to just remind you briefly, the book of Romans talks about the idea of, of Jesus Christ. And I was mentioning in my prayer, while we were still yet sinners, it doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say, you know, while we had it all figured out, and we're all mature and good and moral, and had it all together. It doesn't say that. It says, you know, we were still messed up. Christ came in and died for us because He loves us. And that's the key part about the idea of understanding your position, is Christ loves us. He wants what's best for us, but He wants us to seek and to set our minds on Him. That's the step in understanding the, the, the maturing process starts somewhere knowing who we are in Christ and then we start seeking and setting. And we're going to go further on here. Genuine spiritual living is behaving in accordance with the character of Christ is a quote I have from one of the commenters I will use for, for tonight. Genuine spiritual living is behaving and acting and thinking in accordance to Christ's character. But you see, Paul doesn't stop the idea of this is your position in Christ. This is what you ought to do in this way, in this way of seeking and setting. He goes further on in verse 5 to 11. And this one is actually not a very pretty picture. It's actually kind of a dark picture. It's talking about sin and the kind of how ugly sin is. I, I had this, this point here, away with the old character. Away with the old character. But look at verse 5, how it starts. Verse 5 actually starts here. Put to death what is earthly in you. It doesn't say remove out of your life when you feel like, you know, it's enough. Or, you know, when, when the weather is great, deal with this issue in your life. Or, you know, when you feel like, you know, you're having a good day, deal with your garbage. No, no, no. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. And he goes to a, a small list of things that we ought to focus on and deal with because there's no growth in our spiritual life unless we deal you know we do business with god that's how i want to put it we have to do business with god you know god has put us you know put before us the word has put before us the lord jesus and now he's teaching us in how to deal with these things in order to follow him properly in order to grow into the mature person he wants us to be. Because you see, if we don't deal with these things, we will never grow. And I want to just give you a quick, just a quick picture. We, we have three boys. They're there with my wife, Emily. But uh, see, a, a baby is born, right? And you change diapers, you feed them, they cry uncontrollably sometimes, and you have no reason for it whatsoever. But you still care for them, right? You still nurture them, you still invest Time and effort, right? Why? Because you love them, right? Because you want what's best for them, right? Now, when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to my spiritual life, I want you to think about it in the exact same terms. What do we do with it? Do we nurture it? Do we put effort into it? Do we spend time and resources into growing spiritually? Because if we don't do any of that, you cannot possibly expect yourself to grow spiritually if you don't spend time with the Lord in prayer, 
if you don't seek fellowship with other believers, if you don't want the believers to speak truth in your life, to encourage you, to kick you from the behind sometimes when you're lazy, is necessary. We, we, it's necessary for us to have fellowship with one another because this is what God has for us. And when he says, put to death therefore, means do business with God. You know full well. When you go to the Bible, the Bible is like a, like a mirror. You see yourself, how short we fall of the glory of God. What does the Bible say in Romans, Romans 3, 23, I think? Uh, for all have fallen short. No, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All, not some, not most of us, all of us. We all fall in the same category. We all have fallen short of God's glory. So when it comes to the idea of putting to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry, he goes so far in naming all this list here. It's it's a small list. It's not an exhaustive list of sins. That's not the point here. He's trying to get across the fact that we, in order to grow spiritually, we have to acknowledge our position in Christ. We have to seek and set. But we ought to put to death some things in our lives. Our lifestyle has to reflect Christ's lifestyle. Not what we want. Not what I, what I feel like doing. Like the culture today is probably the one of the worst things that, you, know, you can hear in our culture is, you do you. You got to do you in life. It's true. But what does the culture actually say? You do what Christ, what would Christ do in this situation? What would Christ have you do in a situation when you're struggling, when you don't know where to turn? What, what would we do? What would Christ actually have us do? So when Paul actually deals with the idea of putting to death what is earthly in you, this, this verse, verse 5 is perverted passions. Put them away, put them to death, remove them permanently. Permanently. But I want to just mention to you real quick here. It says there, in verse 6, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. On account of these things that we used to commit, we used to live in those kind of things. On account of those things, this is why the wrath of God is coming. Because we used to live like that. And now because we have been transferred to the kingdom of, of, of God... From death to life. From darkness to light. There's expectations upon our lives. No matter how you, you, know, you may think about this. There's expectations upon our lives. I don't want to focus too much about the idea of putting to death and doing all of these things. I have three separate brackets. Like broke them in three separate points here. Verse 5, verse 8, and verse 9. Verse 5 referring to the idea of perverted passions. Verse 8, hot tempers. And verse 9, sharp tongues. Those are just general characteristics that we can actually separate and look at them specifically. But I want to just draw your attention real quick to Galatians. You probably know where I'm going with this. I'm going to just go Galatians chapter 5. Just real quick, I'm going to read to you a few verses here. Because I think it's important and relevant to our, our message tonight. Verse 16 says, you know, but I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desire of the flesh are against the spirit, and desire of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But look at this. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now he gives us a larger list 
of issues and sins and desires and lifestyles. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and things like these. Now look at what he actually doesn't stop there. He goes a step further to mention something that is very crucial to our Christian faith. I warn you as I have warned you before. And how, how does that, he actually finish this, this verse here? Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's not me actually telling you what you should do. It's not me here portraying this holy behavior or like, oh, you should be doing this. This is what the Bible is telling us that our life should be characterized by. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't take this statement, you know, just simply like that. I take it very seriously. When Paul wrote these things to the book of Galatia, you know, to the, to the church in Galatia, the letter to, you know, the, letter to the, the, book, the church of Galatians, there were some issues in that church that are very relevant to us today. People think, you know, you can come to, to church and be part of our church and do nothing about anything. Just, just belong. You see, Christ actually has expectations upon our lives. He doesn't want us to be completely just babies, just babies in the Lord. He wants us to be mature adults in the Lord. As I was mentioning to you earlier, the idea of a baby that grows literally daily. If you put effort, if you put resources and time, that baby will become an adult sooner or later, right? And it will be able to feed on his own and live on his own. Like most of us adults here, we were babies at some point and someone took care of us. So the same thing is our spiritual life. Those steps have to be taken specifically every single day. Yes, you might actually have ups and downs. The spiritual life or spiritual walk we have is not all flowers and all good. You know, it's tough times. It's hard times. But you see what I was mentioned to you earlier about our position. How key and how important it is to know our position in Christ. So when we feel down and let down and, and distraught or Things may happen in your life. You go back to your position in Christ. God loves me. He cares for me. He wants what's best for me. Despite whatever might happen around me, He's still there for me. I may let Him down, but He never lets you down. He never lets us down. He will always love you. But you see, the, the thing is, we as individuals, by default, we, we tend to run away. When we have a tough time, we run away from the cross. We don't go back to the cross and say, Lord, I'm out of answers. I don't know what to do. But I know you are in charge. I know you're sovereign. I know you love me. You care for me. In Galatians 6, I'm going to go further on here. And we're going to read this passage in, in probably in about five minutes. We're going to just, if you have your finger, put your finger there in chapter 6 of Galatians, chapter, verse six, chapter 6, verse 22. We're going to read that. The fruit of the Spirit... Because there's expectations upon our lives and how we ought to lead ourselves. It's amazing how Paul actually equates, equates greed with idolatry. It's, it's amazing. I, I don't have time to go into all details because there's a few things we can unfold in this passage from 5 to 11. There, there's so much to unfold there. But basically, it's clean up your mess in your life and come to the Lord and allow Him to transform you. 
This is how I would put verse 5 to 11. Allow the Lord to transform you. Allow the Lord to remove all those old behaviors from your life. And allow Him to transform you from the inside. Just one, one last thing to, to mention here in verse 11. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually very important to know this. And I was talking to, to Rial about it just briefly earlier. There's no Greek, Jew, circumcised, or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is what? All and in, in all of us. And I think that's the most, most amazing, one of the most amazing things about Christian fellowship. We come from so many different backgrounds. We come from so many different lifestyle and, 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 and places and so on. But we can have fellowship under one roof because we have this bond in Christ. Christ is the one that binds us together as one. The idea of unity is Christ. And when Paul says Christ is his all and in all of us, that's why we can have fellowship. We're going to go further on here. Verses 12 to 17. And this is what I'm going to spend a little bit more time here. About oh, 15 minutes, give or take. Uh, I'll try my best. Verse 12 here. We're going to go to verse 12. And we're going to go through verse 12 to 17. Slowly. Because this is what I want to focus on tonight. It's put on. Yes, he talked about the idea of position, seeking and setting, put to death. But he doesn't stop there. He, Paul doesn't want us to just be empty in ourselves. But he says actually, put on something. You know, deal something in our life. He says, put on as God's chosen one, holy and beloved. Now this statement here, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. It's actually very interesting to say that. Because it takes us back to the old covenant. That he had with the with the Israel, you know, this is God's chosen people. They are holy, set aside from sin, and beloved. And now, when Paul actually talks to this Galatians church, they're not Jews, they're Gentiles. This is us. This is referring to us. We who are Gentiles, he's talking to us as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And this is where I was mentioned to you, Galatians six. We're going to read it in a second here. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Just, this is a small, again, a small list of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul wants this church to dwell in. Compassionate hearts. Not something, you know, that never happy with anything. Always something to complain about. Well, you know what? I can tell you something straight up. You can always complain about something. You can always say something wrong about something. And when it comes to my wife here, uh, she always shows us this idea of give people the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. But I want to mention to you something real quick here. I grew up in Romania back in the 80s. Under communist Romania, my parents have taught me to never trust people. You know, I think, you know, that this is terrible. But by default, I don't trust people. I have a hard time trusting people like face value. I need to know you before I can trust you. That's just the way I grew up. I'm not saying you know, the same thing in our cult culture in Canada. I mean, I'm a Canadian citizen. I've been here for nine years. But I still have a hard time with that. I still struggle with trusting people at face value. But you see, the reason I actually mention this is because, see, I have a hard time being, being compassionate. But it's something that the Lord is working on my heart to be compassionate, to be loving, to be kind. And to trust people. Yes, you can trust people, but not necessarily give them everything you have in that kind of case. But, you know, the idea of... Trusting people by default for me is, is definitely a hard thing to do. 
because this is the way I was raised. And it's hard to, to mention this, but you see, you think about communist Romania back in the 80s and, and 90s and so on. One out of three people probably was an informant for the you know, secret police. So when you think about those kind of things, you know, well, you think I'm just crazy. No, people informing on you, you end up in jail, you have to pay a big fine, you disappear, in other words. So it's not something, you know, that it's, it's nice about communist Romania. It's something that, you know, you've been ingrained in your mind. You don't talk to people about God unless they ask you. You don't mention God or the Bible or anything because it's illegal. And this is talking, you know, 30 plus years ago, whereas in Canada, has never happened. Has never happened, something like this. Anyway, we're going to go back to the point here. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. When you think about a character that you can actually follow, that has descriptions of all these things, is the Lord Jesus. A compassionate heart. I want to mention to you real quick here a story from, 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 the, from the Gospels where, where Jesus actually has brought to him this lady who was caught in adultery. And I want to just mention to you briefly, I was thinking about this on my way here, and I was praying to, to the Lord, you know, should I mention this? And, you know, I'm mentioning it right now because, you see, when, when this lady was brought to the Lord Jesus, you know, Moses, the, the Pharisee said, you know, Moses told us to stone this type of people. And what does the Lord Jesus say? The first one among you without sin should pick up the stone. It's amazing how... None of them qualified. None of them. And the Lord Jesus didn't judge her. The Lord Jesus go and sin no more. That was it. But you see, when we as individuals see something happening, we are easy to judge. Jump the gun. Why they deserve it? Because they did this. Instead of having a compassionate heart, caring like the Lord Jesus cares. The same idea, having yourself the same mind as Christ Jesus. Compassionate hearts, humility and meekness. I want to read to you real quick here from Galatians, verse 22, chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And he doesn't stop there. In verse 24, he goes further on. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I'm just amazed at how, how Paul actually can say all these things to this church while he is still yet in prison. That's why I was mentioning at the, the, the beginning, it's important to know Paul's position. When he writes this letter, he doesn't write it from a position of like he's in his office. Having a good time, a breeze upon him, drinking something cold. No, he's in a prison, for goodness sake. He's having a hard time in prison. He's not like a, a stroll in the park. But he writes such an amazing letter to love, to be kind. And so many other things here. But I'm going to go further on here. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against each other, forgive. Forgive each other. But then he goes further on, forgive in what manner do we forgive? In what manner should we forgive one another when it comes to the idea of forgiving, having Christ's character in us, growing in our character, becoming more like the Lord? It says, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Now when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, this is a very touchy subject. You don't talk about it too much because 
You don't want to offend people. But with tough luck, the Lord loves you. And He wants us to forgive exactly how much He has forgiven us. So when you understand the idea of how much the Lord has forgiven you, you have no excuse to forgive the other. No excuse whatsoever. Because the Lord has forgiven you how much? All of it. All of it. Not some of it. All of it. And this is why I find it so important to know here, putting on these things, dressing yourself, clothing yourself with the person of the Lord Jesus, with His character. So you also must forgive. And above all, this is kind of the wrapping around of things. The, the, the wrapping of things in verse 14 says, And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 14 is kind of like the, the, the wrapping together as a, as a mini conclusion of the entire passage. Binding everything in love. When you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we all know that passage. Chapter of love. But if you actually read it slowly and you understand what Paul is trying to talk to the church in Corinth, a church with a lot of struggles, a lot of issues. But he's mentioning the idea of how love is so important to have love for one another. I always mention this idea of, of love is, is so key in the Christian life. Because you see, people may not, who you, may not know who you are. May not know, even know your name, people in general. But they will know you by your attitude of love or not, not loving someone. If you love someone and care for someone, they can see it. You don't have to have a name attached to yourself or a number or whatever you might think of. But if you have that kind of love that Christ has, people will see that. And what is the, what is the Lord's command to the disciples in John 13? To have love for one another. By this, you will, they will know that you are what? My disciples. So it's not something that you know we, we take out of the context. Well, just have love for one another. And never argue. No, no, no. The idea of having love for one another involves so many different things. And it's important to know that part of being forgiving, being compassionate, being kind, being humble. There are things that we add to our lives, that we put on, we clothe ourselves with those kind of things. I have a few more things to say here. I promise I will not take too, too long. Verse 15 I get excited, by the way. In case you haven't noticed, I get excited very... I love this passage, okay? And in verse 15, actually, Paul actually doesn't stop with... I told you, this is a mini-conclusion. Verse 14, it's like a mini-conclusion to the entire passage. Verse 15 actually goes on, and 16 goes on. Let, let, let the peace of Christ dwell in you. Allowing the peace of Christ to dwell in you, well, well how do you do that? Well, it doesn't come from not fellowshipping with the Lord. When you fellowship with the Lord on a daily basis, you know, and you, you read His Word on a daily basis, and you seek His fellowship throughout the day, you allow the Lord Jesus to, to, to provide you with His peace. Not something you can buy at Walmart or food basis or whatever. It's the Lord can give you that on a daily walk with you. But it's something that you have to seek Something that you have to set your mind to. Allowing the Lord to, to rule in our hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. See, this, this verse here, just the first part here. We hear rumors about war and, and happenings in Israel and Hamas and, and, and Ukraine. And I can say a few things about it. But you see, they are irrelevant. 
to our Christian walk. And I don't want to be disrespectful. You see, it can happen. So many things can happen around us and take away our peace. But we shouldn't allow that to take away our peace. I was talking today with my parents back in Romania and brothers and sisters all across Europe. But my sister was mentioning the idea of the war in, in the Middle East and so on. And I was mentioning to her, like, if you allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart, whatever may happen around you, I'm not saying, you know, be indifferent, but be aware, but allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Allowing the peace of Christ to rule in your heart will not decimate your way of thinking, who you are. Am I going to go to work tomorrow? Am I going to live in fear every day? What am I going to do? No, 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 no. If we allow the word of God to dwell in us, if we allow the spirit of God to give us peace, we can live a holy life for him. And we can actually grow in our walk with him. Verse 16, I'm going to get to the point here. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, abundantly. Now, once in a while, abundantly. How can we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and, and, and sing him psalms and hymns if we do not allow the word of God to dwell in us richly? We cannot. We, we cannot, going back to the idea of the, of the children, we, we cannot expect to grow spiritually if we don't do something about it. And again, this is not something, not, I'm not mentioning all these things because you can earn extra grace in heaven. I'm not mentioning all these steps to you to think that you can actually add extra points with the Lord. No, no, no. This is a consequence of your salvation because you have been saved, because you have been raised with Christ, because your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's because of that we have to do these things, because we love Him, because we want to glorify Him. But that's why in order for us to be able to teach and admonish and encourage one another, we ought to allow the Word of God to dwell in us in an abundant manner. Read the Bible, not as a resolution of January 1st. I'll read the Bible this year. And by February, you're all done. You've forgotten where you started or left off, and you're all done. No, no, no. You see, don't make great, huge plans. Make small steps. Spend five minutes on the, in the, reading the Bible. Five minutes. Start with five minutes. Don't have to start with ten minutes or an hour or three hours or whatever hours you might think of. If you start with five minutes and you're consistently seeking the Lord, five minutes, it will turn into ten minutes and into half an hour in a few months. But don't start with three hours and expect yourself to have three hours every day. I mean, if you're in a position where you have time, well, more power to you. I don't have a lot of time in my week. Pretty much every day of the week is busy and booked and we got lots going on. But you see, if I can spend five minutes or ten minutes in the Lord's Word and allow Him to transform me as I pray, as I seek His fellowship, it's important. Because that's how you grow spiritually. You don't grow spiritually by just coming to church, hear a good message, and go back home and do nothing about it. You grow spiritually every day with the Lord. When you seek fellowship with other believers. When you go to Bible studies. When you seek fellowship for over coffee with other believers. There are things that can encourage you. But we ought to allow the Word of God to dwell in us abundantly. Abundantly. We're going to wrap things up here real quick. This is the idea of keeping the unity. I'm putting, putting on Christ's character. And then last verse here, verse 17. And whatever you do in work or deed, do everything. Not some. Not most things. It says everything. Excuse me, this passage actually has a lot of absolutes. Has a lot of exclusive. Do everything about this. Do all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
It's amazing how the word here, giving thanks. In verse 15, actually, the last part says, and be thankful. It's not, it's not mentioned a lot. It's just mentioned the idea of it. In verse 15, it says, the last part says, and be thankful. And the last part of 17, giving thanks to God. It's key. Because in a world where there's a lot of unthankful people, a lot of complaining people. A lot of people actually who always has an opinion about things, but never have a solution. Never have anything to bring to the table. I mean, let's work together to help things out. Let's work together to, to make things work. As believers, sometimes, you know, we, we're not thankful. And the Lord is calling us to be thankful believers. Thankful believers. And in whatever we do, in work or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that right there is... It's such a key element that whatever we do, knowing full well we represent the Lord Jesus. I'm going to wrap things up here real quick. But that right there, knowing full well our position, seeking and setting, putting to death and putting on, is so, so important to our Christian walk. In order to grow spiritually, we ought to do something about it. We can't just expect to grow like a tree in a forest and doing nothing about anything. We're called to be faithful, to, to be holy, to be compassionate and loving and kind and full of the fruit, the spirit, but also put to death what is earthly in us. I have three, three or four things to, to take home with your conclusions. Before I jump to the conclusion, I'm just going to give you one quick quote here. Genuine spirituality is found in having our life transformed into the character of Christ. Genuine spirituality. If we claim to be genuine believers, our character should be like Christ's character. Our character should be like Christ's character. Conclusions to go home with. Never forget about your position in Christ. Never forget that part. It's so important to know when you're in a tough situation, knowing your position in Christ, that you have been justified, that you've been forgiven, that you've been reconciled with the Father, that God loves you, is very important. Because when we are alone with our thoughts and minds, and nobody is around us, we struggle. And we don't know where to go. But if we are reminded that we have been justified, we have been made right with God through Jesus on the cross, we have peace with Him. He loves us. He cares for us. Second thing, let's focus on what God will have us do instead of what we want. Seeking and setting. Focusing on what God would have us do, not what we think we should do. You know, if you don't know what to do, I think it's, it's so simple but so important to, to just say a quick prayer. Lord, what will you have me do here? I don't know what to do. Take some time. Pray. Ask the Lord to, to enlighten you, to give you some wisdom. Don't rush into things. Third thing, let's put to death our old self with his passions and desires. Put to death. Make a decision and deal with it. Clean up the garbage. You know, we all have issues in our lives. None of us are perfect. If you're perfect, you shouldn't be here. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the way. Oh my goodness, no. But you see, there's no perfect amongst us. Only the Lord Jesus is perfect. And he expects us to be perfect. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, the last verse there. And be perfect. Be, be complete as your Father in heaven is perfect. He expects us to be holy. But we have to deal with our, with our, with our sin. 
And finally here, the last part, the last conclusion, number four, may the peace and the word of God dwell in us in an abundant manner. Abundant manner. Something we can do, something we can do, something we can invest in. Something we can, we can put our, our hearts to and allow the Lord to transform us. In order to grow spiritually, there's so many things I can mention, but in order to grow spiritually, we have to acknowledge our need for it. See? The first, the first steps in solving any kind of problem is acknowledging you have one. That's the first step. You cannot solve a problem if you don't acknowledge you have one. But if you acknowledge that you have a need, and I have a need, to grow spiritually every day, I have to acknowledge that need in my heart, that I need to seek the Lord on a daily basis, that I need to grow spiritually on a daily basis. So 10 years down the road, I cannot be in the same spot as I used to be 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, or 15 years ago. My kids are not babies anymore. They're out of diapers. Why? Because we have invested in them, as any other parents would, right? And the same thing is our spiritual life. Exactly the same thing. We cannot be in diapers spiritually for the rest of our lives. We ought to grow and be mature and on fire for the Lord, as He expects us to be. Amen. I have more to say, but uh, I think it's good.